Today on The Balanced Word. It's always wise to have more than one perspective. It's never a good idea to get all your wisdom from one source. Even if you have someone who's really smart, it can't hurt to get another perspective, but you need to be able to read between the lines. You need to be able to look for subtleties. Wisdom is subtle. Wake up my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up my hand. And the instrument I play. Wake up my voice. Let the world hear me say, you are worshipped and it's all to hear today. We face decisions every day, and sometimes they come at us during a crisis. And those decisions have consequences. So it's important that we walk in wisdom. How do we make good and godly decisions? Today on The Balanced Word, we'll set out to answer that and learn from someone that failed to implement critical listening and thinking. It resulted in destruction. Here's Pastor Dave Rolf in 2 Samuel 16. So now, as you read down next, David's heading again out of town and you see a guy named Shemai. Uh, it says he came to Bahurim and there was a man from the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shemai. This guy's a nobody. We don't know who he was ever before. He never did anything to really establish himself. But for some reason, he was a distant, he was from the tribe of, of Benjamin, probably a fan of Saul's. And now's his chance to really let go on David. It's completely stupid. David has an army of soldiers with him. This guy's throwing rocks at him and yelling insults. And, you know, it, it says that he just was cursing continually as he came. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. So the stones weren't going to do any damage, but he's like just acting nuts. And Shemai said thus when he cursed, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. He's, he's choosing David off in a fight. He's like, come on. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul and, and into the hand of Absalom. And now you're caught in your own evil because you're a bloodthirsty man. Now in verse 9, Abishai, who was um, the brother of Joab, he was one of the generals. He was like David's personal bodyguard in a way. Abishai's like, let me cut his head off. And then we don't have to listen to this anymore. Abishai was always doing that. He had offered to kill Saul for him. He goes, let me just hit him. I'll hit him once. He won't even know what hit him. He's doing it again. And David's like, hey, you guys, look, why should this dead dog curse my Lord the king is what Abishai is saying. Let me go over and take off his head. The king said, you guys, you sons of Zeruah, let him curse. Who knows? Maybe God is telling him to say this stuff to me. I don't know. Why am I going to react to him? Why do I want to let him turn me into something that I don't want to be. And so um, David said, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life there in verse 11. How much more now may this Benjamite let him alone and let him curse for so the Lord has ordered him or like whatever God's given him the freedom to do it. I have more important things to worry about. My son is trying to take the kingdom from me. I'm not going to worry about this guy yelling and ranting and raving and everything that he is saying. And he said, who knows, maybe the Lord will look on my affliction and he'll stick up for me. 
and the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. He goes, maybe this will backfire on him. I'd rather let God judge him than for me to judge him. So the guy's over on a different hillside now, and he's cursing and throwing stones and kicking up dust. And verse 14, the king and all the people who were with him became weary, so they refreshed themselves there. So what was the way to deal with this guy, Shemai? The easiest thing would have been to kill him. The easiest thing also would have been to argue with him, start a fight. I mean, you can beat this guy in an argument, but what we see from David here that's really wise, don't ever get in an argument with a crazy person. Don't, in fact, don't get in an argument with somebody who's angry. See, the way arguments work, when you start losing an argument, you get angry. You look at two people arguing, the one that's mad is the one who's, they may be right, but they've run out of arguments. And so they try to kick it in with extra passion. You cannot win in a fight with this. There would have been no discussion with Shemai that he would have gone, oh, never mind. Now, his story is interesting because later on he ends up, when David's back on the throne, he comes and bows down and apologizes. And David's like, eh, I don't take your opinion seriously either way. It's okay. But then it's kind of, I don't know, I, I don't want to say comical, but when David's dying later on, he tells Solomon, there's a list of people that I want you to kill after I die. <laughs> and Shemai's on the list. <laughs> so, I mean, I think there are some traditions that, you know, really were awesome. But, <laughs> I mean, don't you think at the end of your life, if you could just go put a couple hits out, this would be good. <laughs> but we're more civilized today. The point is, he didn't look at Shemai and think, what you think matters. Shemai had no credibility. There was no reason in the world why he should have to even get in an argument with someone that had no idea what he was talking about. And this is so important for us. When we are trying to find wisdom, you won't get it from angry people. You won't get it from crazy people. It just doesn't happen. In fact, what you want to do is, and we see later on in the chapter, there are people who are smart and qualified and are able to give you information. Those are the people you want to deal with. And, you know, nowadays, because of the Internet, everyone thinks they're an expert because they can Google. And it's like, if you want to tell me, and I had this happen with my wife having back surgery, it's like everybody has so much advice. And I don't always say this, but I feel like it. Excuse me, thanks for the advice. Now, where did you go to medical school? Now, that's not to say that somebody who hasn't been to medical school doesn't know something. It's just if you want to play the percentages, people who care enough and know enough about the human body to actually go study it, and I'm not talking about in Guadalajara, I'm talking about like a, um, that's better than nothing, that's better than the school of Google, but... Um, it's like, I want to know that you're qualified before I listen to what you're telling me because the percentages are better. If I want to hear somebody's political opinion, I prefer somebody that cares enough about it to have got an education. If I want to hear a theological perspective, I prefer people who are enough into theology that they actually went and studied it. I don't need ignorant people. I don't need Shemai yelling out stuff, and I feel like I have to debate them. And David understood that, and it was really smart. Now, when it came to wise people who were capable and qualified, 
Yeah, he, he definitely had those people on his staff. He definitely had people who listened to him. But an awful lot of our wisdom is deciding who not to listen to. Don't interact with somebody who's angry. It doesn't go well ever. And listen, if you want advice, don't take it from somebody that's never done anything, accomplished anything, knows anything in their life. Don't take it from a guy just because he saw some link that said this, and therefore now I know. There is more artificial intelligence, and people are artificial intelligence. To me, artificial intelligence, first and foremost, is people who think that they're intelligent without actually having to learn anything. They're just copying other people's stuff and, and reposting it, and they think that they're geniuses. That's fine, you have every right, and you know what? There are some people who aren't doctors who end up being right about certain things. But play the percentages. Go with people who actually know what they're talking about. And that's partly why David, and again, he's like, hey, maybe God is even speaking through this guy. It doesn't matter. But I'm not going to react. And this is a good lesson for us, I think. And, and David got this right. It was, it was way better that he did not get sucked into a, a fight with this guy. Yeah, he could have won. He could have killed the guy. But then what does that prove? What does that make him ultimately? What does it make you, what does it make me if we win arguments with people who have no idea what they're talking about? It's just not worth it. It's not wise. Nothing good comes out of it. So now we read on in the story and we go over to Absalom's camp and it says, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel in verse 15, came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel was with him. Now Ahithophel's a lot different than Shemai. Ahithophel's a wise man. He has been employed as a counselor to David for years and has given him good advice. At the end of the chapter, it says that it was like, man, he gave God's advice over and over again. He had a history of that. When people listened to him, they felt like I'm hearing from God because he had a long track record of being successful. And so Ahithophel was now working for Absalom. And if you remember, he had personal reasons as to why. But anyway, Hushai came along in verse 16. Hushai was the other guy who had been a really close counselor to David. And now he was probably in a more prominent role because, you know, uh, of the fact that Ahithophel had kind of got bugged at David and left. So now Hushai really stepped up and was giving him good advice. And if you remember, when we were in the previous chapter, Hushai came and wanted to stick with David. And instead, David sent him off and said, why don't you go back to Jerusalem and maybe you can help over there. You can do some good. So Hushai, David's friend, came to Absalom. And Hushai said to Absalom, verse 16, long live the king, long live the king. So Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, no, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so will I be in your presence. What a blessing to be able to now have two smart guys who want to help you. So in one sense, Absalom was really wise to listen to Hushai. But 
he's not listening critically or carefully enough. Because if you look at what Hushai actually said, he comes up first and says, long live the king, long live the king. So it's like, well, who are you referring to? Absalom really wasn't the king. David was really the king. But Absalom kind of it, it blew by him a little bit. He was a little suspicious, though, and, and was saying, wait, is your loyalty to your friend? And Hushai said, no, but whom the Lord and this people, all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Well, you can look at that two ways. He's saying, no, I'm not following my friend. I'm following who the Lord has chosen. So from Absalom's perspective, he, he took it as, oh, good, you're saying that God has chosen me. But in reality, Hushai is being pretty clever because he's still saying, I serve God. That still makes him really valuable, and he could still give good advice, but part of it goes over Absalom's head, and, and he says, besides that, who should I serve? His son. He's already now letting him know that my master's son is who you are, and I want to help you. And so Absalom said to him, oh, well, so I will be in your presence. So we'll stop there at verse 19. It's always wise to have more than one perspective. It's never a good idea to get all your wisdom from one source. Even if you have someone who's really smart, it can't hurt to get another perspective, but you need to be able to read between the lines. You need to be able to look for subtleties. Wisdom is subtle. And so here, it was a good idea for him to accept Hushai, and really, Hushai gave him faithful advice when he, when he asked for it. But at the same time, it's like, I think Absalom thought, okay, good. He's going to flip and he's going to be on my side. Somebody who's giving you advice shouldn't just be someone who's on your side. It should, should be somebody who's on the side of truth and on the side of God. You, you don't want people who are just kissing up to you, telling you what you want to hear. But also, as in this case, it's a good idea to get, you know, to triangulate, to get perspectives from different people coming from different angles before you ultimately discover the truth. And we see what happens next when you just take one person's perspective, even a wise, you know, um, person, because Absalom said to Ahithophel in verse 20, give advice as to what we should do. He's like, tell me what to do next. It's a reasonable question, but Ahithophel gave this advice, this wonderful advice. He said to Absalom, here's an idea. Go into your father's concubines whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. Oh, great idea. Yeah. Go do something that the law says you get the death penalty if you ever do this. Smart. That'll make you really popular. The people that used to think, wow, he has great hair, are now seeing you in public shaming the throne, shaming somebody that they loved at one point that is your dad, and you're going to do this? Yeah. Great idea. Now, how does a wise guy give such stupid advice? Wise people will give stupid advice when they have their own agenda, when there's something that is distorting their judgment. 
And in fact, that's what's happening here. But he pitched a tent and up on top of the house on David's lanai and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now, verse 23, the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Ahithophel had so much credibility that it didn't even occur to Absalom that I should listen critically. His life is at a crossroads. He is about to make the biggest mistake of his life. See, after this, there's no turning back. At any point, he could have thought, maybe my dad and I can talk about this and work this out. Maybe Israel can be saved and we can actually be stronger. Maybe people will respect me more. Not after pulling a stunt like this. This was idiotic advice. Where did it come from? Well, Ahithophel, a very wise man, was blinded and biased by his own bitterness against David because Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba, who David had taken from her husband, killed her husband, and taken her as his wife. Somebody does that to your granddaughter, you don't get over that very easily. It clouds your judgment. He had probably left David's employ because this is why he was off at his home when David ended up leaving, and Absalom had to go and get him and bring him in. Smart guy, but with a personal weakness and a bias. And at the same time, let's face it, you know, this Absalom, I think he was probably a pretty good guy, but he had been blinded by what he had gone through as a family. And, and who would blame him for not being upset? You know, his, his dad had done nothing when his sister was molested by his brother. And David just sat there and did nothing. And then when he finally took it into his own hands and killed this child molester, then he ends up having to leave and David doesn't talk to him for like another five years. So he's kind of ticked at his dad. He's like, I don't, he's not thinking straight. Every one of us has to be so cautious that our own sense of you know, being upset about something doesn't cloud our judgment. And especially, we don't want to get advice from people who have their own bitterness. Because bitterness will only cloud good judgment. And in the end, look at the irony. This is what meant that Absalom would never be king of Israel. Now the law says death penalty for this guy. How in the world do you get away with that? But the irony that what he hated his dad for, he had now become. And what Ahithophel hated David for, now he facilitated in the same spot where David had taken his granddaughter Bathsheba. Now he's encouraging somebody to do something even worse. They both became what they hated. They both had developed into something that was, this can't work well for either one of them. And as you continue to read the story, you see the results of what happens when you just, instead of listening to wisdom. And now, what would Hushai have said if, if, if uh, Hithophel had put this idea out and Absalom goes, that is one possibility, but I'd like to hear what Hushai says about it. We don't know what Hushai would have said because 
Absalom just didn't even bother asking him. He has a wise person there, and he doesn't even triangulate. Now, it might be that Hushai would have said, great idea, go for it and see what happens, because he just wanted David back in the throne. We don't know. But what we know is he heard, Absalom heard what he really wanted to hear, but he wasn't thinking and projecting about what the ultimate outcome of this would be. As a result, a failure of critical listening and critical thinking, a failure of wisdom, a result of something that was foolish, that, was it, that ended up destroying both men in a way that was worse than they ever could have imagined. And so for all of us, every day, we make decisions, decisions that have consequences. Every day we find ourselves in a crisis. Well, I could go this way or I could go this way. And how do we do it? First of all, do we listen to people who are buttering us up? Do we listen to people who are giving us something free so they can sell us something? That's a good way to get bad advice. Is that the way we live or do we say, you know what, I have a higher road to run. I have a higher agenda than to get distracted by stupid things, by angry things, by foolish things. I want to listen to people who really know what they're talking about, and I don't want to just be at the mercy of somebody's agenda. I have an agenda. Most everyone else does too. That's why we need to listen to multiple voices. In a multitude of counselors, the scripture says, a matter will be confirmed. And we see what could have happened if more wisdom had been exercised here. And the future of the nation resulted in devastation in a lot of ways because of the fact that although there were certain wise things that they did, there are certain foolish things that they did as well. And I think that the more we learn this lesson, the better we can live our lives understanding that our decisions matter. So let me gather data, let me process it, let me project how this is likely to happen, let me talk about the, the credibility of the people that I'm listening to, and then commit it to the Lord and see what kind of wisdom he's actually going to give me. In a time of crisis, we need great decisions. Bad decisions in a time of crisis sink us over and over again, as this chapter reveals to us. You're listening to The Balanced Word with our pastor and teacher, Dave Rolfe. Today's message is part of our study in First and Second Samuel called Kingdom Building. Stay with us for more teaching from Pastor Dave in just a moment. These programs are available by podcast at thebalancedword.com. You can also call and request a CD copy at 949-362-7475. You might also want to request the entire Kingdom Building series, again at 949-362-7475. We'd also like to offer you Pastor Dave's Through the Bible in a Year series on a USB thumb drive for a gift of $25 or more. Go through the Bible in a year with Pastor Dave by ordering this special series today. Again, call 949-362-7475 or order online at thebalancedword.com. Your gifts help to make these shows possible on stations like this one all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us with either a one-time gift or ongoing monthly support. Donations can be made at thebalancedword.com. Have you had a chance to listen to Pastor Dave's one-minute messages? 
You can listen to those at thebalancedword.com and even join our mailing list so you can have them delivered to you each day. You can watch them on Instagram or Facebook too by following CC Pacific Hills. Pastor Dave would love to have you join us at Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Our service times on Sunday morning are at 8, 9.45 and 11.30. Directions and more information about the church can be found online at ccpacifichills.org. You can watch our live stream there too ccpacifichills.org. If we can pray for you in any way, we ask that you contact us through thebalancedword.com or by calling us at 949-362-7475. Now let's finish things up in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for these stories. We know they're there for a reason because some of us spend our time yelling back at Shemai. Some of us have access to good advice, but Instead, we're just following our heart. Some of us listen to people with an agenda because we have an agenda. Please teach us, Lord, to walk in wisdom, to make better decisions in our own times of crisis. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Discovering balance living through the Word of God, you've been listening to The Balanced Word. Set aside another half hour next time to hear another study in our Kingdom Building series from Pastor Dave Roth. This program is listener supported and brought to you by Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Wake up my soul, wake up early in the day, wake up my hands, and the instrument I play with.